0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It's another edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For a Thursday, February 25th, 2021, we'll review and preview the upcoming basketball game against the UCLA Bruins at home at the John M. Huntsman Center. That one will be Thursday, today, 6 p.m. You can find that on the Pac-12 Networks. And then, for the last half of the show, or two-thirds of the show, we're going to speak with Alex Lundberg, executive producer of Utah Jazz Radio Broadcast, but also contributor at UteZone.com, and specifically contributor for Utah baseball. We'll talk a little bit about this year's team and go in depth with Alex about how this team compares to teams in the past, what he saw over the weekend, and what to expect going forward. All that and plenty of Brown Bear Reads coming up next here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Again, for Thursday, February 25th, 2021. joining me today on the Locked on News podcast for Thursday, February 25th, 2021. My name is Brian Brown. I am your co-host, riding solo today. But the good news is is you're not going to get 30 minutes of just my voice. The man, the myth, the legend, a.k.a. Lundy, Alex Lundberg will be joining me for the second half of the podcast. We have a really great discussion about the men's baseball team what we saw over the weekend from them, who we like going forward, what we like going forward, and what we expect to see out of them. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. And the Utes have a big weekend coming up this weekend. This is an opportunity for them to prove that this season, through the ups and downs and everything else, is not just completely a waste. And they have – they it's it's a tough task tonight. There's no doubt about it. UCLA is probably the best team in the conference right there, neck and neck with uh, USC, depending on, on what your definition of best is. USC has the best record, and I believe they have the tiebreaker right now over UCLA. Um, but at the same time, UCLA is just a really good basketball team. Uh, Tiger Campbell is – a player that I've really enjoyed watching this season. And if you haven't seen him yet, he's hard to miss on the court simply because he has some of the most noticeable hair out there, but also because his gameplay is very proficient. Tiger Campbell is the kind of point guard that I think Utah fans and the university of Utah program has always coveted. He's a guy who can initiate the offense. He can get a bucket. He can make the right pass. Uh, Really just a talented, uh, talented guy um, and I think he's kind of the de facto leader of that UCLA team in that respect. But this is a UCLA team that is just coming into the Huntsman Center off of a big victory over uh, ASU previously, and you know when you look at at the quote unquote tail of the tape. It's kind of tough for the Utes this is a game where they really need to put it together and and maybe being at home will be the you know the the kicker to to getting this thing locked in and and getting a win I don't you know we haven't heard anything about Mickey Anunin uh whether or not he'll be playing I would assume so uh just based on general uh assumptions at this point and and while we're We didn't ever get any clarification from Larry Krzkoviak about what the actual terms of him being able to play. There was supposed to be a seven-day self-quarantine, but Jantunen was testing all along, and outside of his flight from the FIBA tournament back to Salt Lake City, there shouldn't be an interruption in terms of him being able to be tested and be available. So the thought process should be that as long as he's been able to test the entire time, that he should be able to play. Uh, We'll have to wait and hear what the update is. I'm sure they probably won't reveal that until right before the game starts. But that, you know, this Utah team fought previously very hard to stay close to this, stay close in the first meeting down in Westwood. You know, it was a 72 to 70 win for UCLA. Uh, You know, Johnny Juzang is probably their best scorer. Uh, you know, he's averaging 14 points and four rebounds, uh, while you know really shooting well from beyond the arc. Uh, Jaime Jaquez is another guy that can contribute, uh, you know, 12 points, but he's averaging a team high six rebounds. Um, Campbell, who I talked about earlier, 11 points, three rebounds, six assists to go with 25 steals as their kind of floor general, but I think. Really what he does best is he gets that offense going. And this UCLA team, if you haven't seen them play yet, they they really are a hard-nosed Mick Cronin-type team. This is a team that defends. This is a team that tries to move the ball around. Uh, the effort from this team I think is a lot better than we, what we've seen in UCLA teams in the past. It's a tough, tough ask for the University of Utah, but I think the, the hope Is that being at home? You know, if you look at by the numbers, uh, points per game, UCLA averages about 73. Utah's at about 70. Uh, Scoring defense is about even. Uh, Field goal percentage is is about even. Three point percentage, I think, is where the Utes really need to make a mark in order to beat this UCLA team. Neither team is really. Elite beyond the arc, UCLA, shoots 36%, which is good, not great. Uh, Utah shoots 33%, and that's where I think the Utes can really uh, make an impact because UCLA is a good perimeter-defending team. Uh, They usually hold opponents to about 35%, 34% uh, from beyond the arc, and if Utah can shoot above that, and they haven't been shooting great from beyond the arc as of late. This is not a great shooting team in general, but maybe being home back in the Huntsman Center will give them a little extra edge. And more than anything, I think that we just need to see this team bounce back and and continue to do what they've done all year and and recover from tough losses. I think Oregon State was tough in the sense that it was a blowout loss and just ugly in the second half just was really hard to watch if i'm being honest uh i I don't ever want to call out player effort because i think effort is something that we really just don't have a uh a, a full concept of as as fans but the they just didn't have the connectivity as a as a unit in the second half to really make it a game and as Oregon State started to pull away. They just, you know, the three straight blocks on Timmy Allen and et cetera, et cetera. We we don't need to go over this too much more. But that it was just it seemed like the confidence, I think, maybe, or the juice that was flowing through the team, the energy just kind of waned after that point. And I think that's something that is really hard to identify as a fan because you it to you it looks like the effort's gone right but as a player it's it's that confidence and and it's really hard to fight through those moments when you know you're getting just beat and i think for most of us the response is well i'm gonna fight back and you know that's 100% the case as fans it's a little bit different when you're on the court and you're going up against guys who are really good and you've continually gotten you know stuffed or, or beaten or whatever it is. so not a, not here to make excuses, but um, just trying to point out the fact that it's not always like the legitimate effort that's the issue when we see those kinds of things. Sometimes it's just your confidence wanes and when you're young, it can be really hard to gain back that confidence. I think Timmy Allen is a guy who is so even keeled that sometimes it hurts him late in games because he's so kind of relaxed and laid back at times. And I think we saw that against Oregon um, where he, he committed the double dribble. And that's where I think this team is still trying to grow and gel is, is finding their way through those moments, finding their way, you know, to turn off the scoring droughts. And I thought they did a better job against Oregon in the second half Uh, There was a three-minute scoring drought, and then they came back and were able to get buckets. Getting back to this UCLA game, I think that's exactly what they need to do in order to uh, find a victory against UCLA is that they've got to get buckets. And I think some of that comes in finding ways to get Alfonso Plummer involved. I think some of it comes in they need to be a little bit more uh, – prevalent in transition i think really where they've done a good job is when they've been able to get out and run with ian martinez as he gets the rebound i think that's led to better scoring opportunity because i don't know that this team is good enough in the half court in terms of execution to always get buckets and so i think you really need to find ways to vary that up and down and that should help them you know that combined with I always wonder why you would ever want to slow things down on the basketball court in Utah because I think the altitude always plays to your advantage. Uh, I also think that you just get easier shots in transition. This is a team that, for the most part, has some guys who can run, and I think Ian Martinez, Pelo Larson, Timmy Allen, that's a nice little trifecta that you can get out and run with. Even Brandon Carlson runs the floor pretty well, but some of that will remain to be seen in terms of who actually shows up to play. I do not expect Rylan Jones to play in the game tonight. The Locked on News podcast is brought to you by multiple sponsors. One of our favorites here is Rock Auto. As I've said in the past, no one knows your vehicle better than you. And why wouldn't you want to make sure that the maintenance is done correct? The Modern-day vehicles, brake jobs, you know, you know, maybe small little fixes replacing a headlight. Those kinds of things, you can do it yourself. And the best... Way to get it done is to go to rockauto.com so that you get the right part and so that makes it easy to get the job done. Save yourself the money on the part. Save yourself the money on the labor. Take care of those little maintenance issues on your own. Make sure your car stays running smoothly on the road by going to rockauto.com. They have every part that you need for every make and model. So you know the year, you know the make, you know the model. You can order the right part in rather than depending on someone who works on a thousand different models or or brands or makes of of vehicles. Go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control models and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go there right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcoming in our baseball expert analysis person Investigator, the great Alex Lundberg, executive producer at the Utah Jazz Radio Broadcast Network, uh, executive producer at 1280 The Zone, contributor at Uzone dot com, uh, Star Wars aficionado extraordinaire. Am I forgetting any other titles there, Lundy?
0: Uh, I, I I don't know. I think that you've been overly generous to me, but yeah. you know.
1: I, I would also award my favorite Lundy and also the creator of the Lundy burger which th- we're going on 3 years man I still haven't man. tried it a pandemic is
0: the most recent thing to stop me from trying the Lundy burger that's pretty man scary. yeah this okay yeah we're we're fixing that asap agreed one of the, one of these open weekends Agreed.
1: And part of why I wanted to have you on one, I think you're one of my favorite people to talk with. We have the BLT Hive. We used to do the producer postcast when we could work together actually in studio. Uh, But you are also one of the few people I know that actually follows Utah baseball on a, not just regular basis, but an intense basis. You know, I think you've probably watched more Utah baseball than anyone that's not a parent or a player over the last few years. Pieced together a bizarre series, I guess you could say, in COVID times, maybe this is just the norm where you just throw something together and and try and get a date. But this was a scheduled game that was supposed to go at UTSA, transition to Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton, traditionally a very good, even great program in in Division I baseball. uh, Part of that West Coast conglomerate of the UC schools and whatnot, never had a losing season. Tell me a little bit about what you saw this weekend from this, a, a young Utah squad that has some experience, but not really, right? Because these are, we're seeing a few names here that have played, but not an entire season, and they're still kind of young with how the NCAA is, is freezing eligibility, right?
0: Right, yeah. So like you said, you know, it's a young team that had to pivot. I mean, you know, Fullerton was scheduled two days before the first game. Uh, you know, and I mean, I think that the team had kind of mentally prepared that COVID was going to be something that could cause these changes. And then it wasn't even COVID that caused this, you know, pivot. It was the weather in Texas, freezing everything and preventing those games from being able to be played at UTSA. But kind of looking back at those games, um, you know, what I wanted to see was just how Utah performed against, like you said, a historically good program in Cal State Fullerton And I actually came away, you know, reasonably impressed. I mean, Utah lost the series. That's not a shock. You know, nobody should really be surprised by that. Um, The first game was a close one. You know, Utah held into that a lot longer than I thought they would. They lost three to one. And watching that game, most of the game, I kept thinking, all right, this is the point where Fullerton pulls away. This is where they, they blow things open. Uh, There was a moment where they loaded the bases up and had scored a run to push it to three to one. And I was thinking, here it goes. Like this is where they bring all these runs in They're They're going to blow this thing wide open and it's not going to be something that's salvageable for Utah. And Utah was able to escape that inning. And, you know, they limited the damage to just the one run. The next game was a little bit more of what I expected to see in that first game as Fullerton blew them out 15 to one. They, you know, had a seven run inning and a five run inning, just early. A team, lot of, like,
1: like it was second, third, fourth innings where they just laid it up there and it was basically mm-hmm. over before it even started. Yeah. It,
0: they, they jumped out to early leads and they just established their dominance. Utah was not helped by, you know, in either of those two games, they made some just sloppy mistakes that show the youth in an experience. You know, these are, these are plays that as they get better, these things will get cleaned up. These things will disappear. You know, as they, as they get more experience under their belt, you could tell that it had been a long off season and that a lot of these guys are new and haven't played much at the collegiate level Uh, where they really impressed me was that final game on Monday, Monday afternoon, where Utah jumped out to a lead and then they held that lead. Uh, You you know, they had a four run inning. They got an insurance run a little bit later. Uh, So they were up, six to one I think at one point and uh, Fullerton rallied started coming back closed it to six to five and Utah was able to stop the bleeding they were able to hold off and prevent that I mean there were two runners in scoring position at the bottom of the ninth and Utah was able to close it out and secure the victory and that to me was impressive because coming off of a, a blowout loss and 0 two it would be very easy for Utah to just phone it in to say look you know We, we did our best. We, we, we were impressive in one game. These guys are just too good. They're too talented, but Utah was able to show some mental toughness and hang in and and close out a game, pick up a win against a good team and and get some momentum going into that Loyola Marymount series coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah. And Brayson Hertzman who got the save there for Utah as a transfer from Houston. He's actually from St. George, went to Houston to to play baseball and then came to Utah as a graduate transfer. He also rocks. Oh, not quite Eckersley level on the mustache, but a commendable effort in his profile picture. Uh, So shout out to Brayson for that one. Uh, Everything that you talked about, I think was really what fascinated me about this series is that late into the game, they were competitive and you talked about in the the one game that they won, they were up five to one Fullerton slowly chipped away at that, but then they added a run to go up six to four going into the seventh and then Fullerton tried to come back, but they held on. And I think that's where this team is kind of a mix of, of new guys. Like you said, that really haven't played a ton of college baseball together. And you saw that in the second game where there were a lot of fielding errors. I think it's probably safe to, to, to call it that, you know, just, basic mistakes that you don't expect a baseball team that's been seasoned to make. But at the same time, they were able to come through in the, in the, in the clutch. I want to ask you what you, what your thoughts were on the pitching and the bullpen for the Utes, because I think college baseball is a little bit different than the pros, right? You're going to your bullpen a lot earlier with college baseball. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And you know, the bullpen went, like you said, they go to it early. No Ute right now has pitched the, the most innings pitched so far is Trey Clarkson at 4.1 uh just behind him Justin Kelly pitched four full innings uh before he was replaced so we're seeing that at least in these first three games you know they're, they're really getting a lot of people in rotation what, what surprised me is to see that Brett Brokoff uh has only pitched one inning so far Uh, He's a redshirt junior. As a a freshman coming into Utah, he, in his very first outing, threw 10 strikeouts, tying the single-game record, and has been a, a fixture in Utah's pitching staff since then. And I know that he had some injury problems earlier. That may be what's going on here, why he's only pitched one inning in those first three games. Maybe they're transitioning him to more of a closer role. I'm not exactly sure yet. But expect to see him on the mound more frequently uh, because one inning pitched in three games for Brett Brokoff is is a very low number, even with them, you know, sharing the load a lot more at the college level like we've we've seen.
1: I agreed. And then they did get some decent effort from, you know, Trey Clarkson. Uh, Dustin Schramm was a guy that I kind of had circled just because I've heard so much about him struggled a little bit in his kind of initial appearance. Some of mm-hmm. that I think is to be expected with this team because they really just don't get a lot of time together to practice either due to COVID or due to weather. I, I don't know if you have any um, knowledge about this, but I'm assuming that they're still staying in California, because there's not a whole lot of point in coming home and then going back to go play Loyola over the weekend in, you know, when you're an hour or two away in Fullerton.
0: Yeah. The, I would imagine that's the case. I don't know for certain that that's the case, but I mean, it's, it's right there. They're likely to stay in Los Angeles. Um, and then, you know, the following weather,
1: weekend. Yeah. There's better yeah. weather. You know, you got a game coming up the very next weekend and it's going to be a three game stand. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to load everything up and come back you can get more practice time more well, not more time, but better time because you're actually going to be on the field. So I think, you know, Marymount's another program that is good, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's going to be one where you can really kind of gauge how much this team is going to evolve. Do you have a favorite player on this squad yet?
0: Uh, You know, on this squad, I'm, I'm really a fan of Riker, Tom. Uh, he hasn't played a lot yet this season. He only has two at bats so far, but he, he's one that look, look to him to bring a lot of the experience and the, the leadership for this team moving forward as he works his way back into the rotation, but he's one that I have a lot of fun watching. Uh, Kayler Yates is a name to watch as well. He's a young guy that's coming up, should provide a lot of excitement. And Tyler Thompson was probably the most impressive in, this, in these first three games. Um, he's got the highest batting average so far this season just through those three games, batting .333. Uh, he's got three RBIs so far. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's done a lot for the team. Um, it's it's going to be fun to watch these guys. A local kid, Tyler
1: Thompson, as well out of Highland, Utah, outfielder, he was really the one that broke the game open for them in that third game. Uh, another player that I'm curious to watch is uh, Kai Roberts, and he's a mm-hmm. freshman this year out of Skyridge High School. Big, big athlete, six four, two hundred, and infielder. Um, you know, mostly playing the one bag there. Uh, Riker Tom, as you mentioned, hasn't gotten a ton of time, but in the two at bats that he had, he's gotten a hit. So you know, he's already being productive. As you look at this team, where do you see the strengths on the roster?
0: You know, I think that usually, like, I think that we saw a little bit of sloppiness in the fielding, but I think that that's going to be a big strength. Uh, The pitching staff, if they can find consistency, will be a huge strength. It's been hit and miss in the previous years, uh, but Bill Kinneberg is a pitching coach. And when he's been able to get his pitchers on, that's been the strength of the team. Uh, If they can find their bats, you know, they're a pretty good base running team. They're aggressive. Uh, which is fun to see it's fun to watch and so i think right now the strength i would say is probably in the fielding but but keep an eye on pitching and hopefully batting Uh, but you know it, it would probably be in that order bet online is the fastest
1: and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football may be over But do not sweat because Division 1AA, a.k.a. FCS football, is back. And wouldn't you know it, betonline.ag has the lines for that. In addition to NBA, college basketball, and the NHL as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, if that's your thing. So if you and your significant other disagree on what to watch you can always agree on where to go to bet real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it is the best way to place your bets and it is free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on that is l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n all one word for a 50% welcome bonus for whatever you decide to deposit. If it's a hundred bucks, that means you get 150. And you can do the parlay all day like I do and make some mistakes and it doesn't cost you real money. That's bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get in on all the fun and let's make some money. And as you mentioned, this is a team that is fun to watch because they are aggressive. You know, they they want to get guys around the base, they want to get guys on base and they want to score a lot of runs. Um and they have some fre- flexibility with this roster, too. I think there's some plug-and-play guys in terms of who you can play where and, and whatnot. Uh, Jalen McLaughlin is a newcomer to this roster, but I think that's a guy that showcased some speed initially. He was able to get on base and kind of trigger everything in that third game. That was part of what, what caused the sort of run explosion. Um, but, you know, that's, that's going to be, I think, the fun part to watch for this team is they – gel and develop and this is a strange season for Pac-12 because you're not really playing a full Pac-12 schedule right it's kind of mix and match here and there and you you close out the year pretty strongly but we don't really know how that's going to all set up in terms of standings or anything like that
0: really yet right yeah and like you said the Pac-12 is always a like it's it's a weird season but it's always a tough conference um you know, there's always a handful of teams that are highly ranked. Uh, UCLA is definitely looking like the team to beat in the Pac-12, though they, they had a pretty rough opening weekend, um, losing their opening series. They, uh, they bounced back against the opponent that, that Utah's about to play, Loyola Marymount. Um, so UCLA right now sitting at number eight. And I believe there's two other Pac-12 teams ranked in the top 25. Uh, surprisingly not Oregon state. They've kind of fallen from grace a little bit recently, but Arizona is, is going to be a tough opponent. Uh, Stanford's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be a, a very interesting season in the PAC 12. Agreed.
1: Agreed. And it's, I think the fascinating part about it is that it's, it's shaping up to look a lot like everything else that we've watched this year, where you really can't make a ton of judgments early on, because you really don't know what the impact's going to be with COVID and everything else. Although it does feel like that impact is going to be significantly less by the time you get to the, the back end of the season. I think that favors this, the squad from Utah. Are there any guys on this roster that you would look at and think to yourself, that guy has next level potential. You know, we saw CJ Crone sign with the Rockies. There's not a lot of former Utes in the pipe right now in terms of MLB stuff, but this is a young roster with some good potential who would you kind of point out and say, maybe that's a guy who could go to the next level?
0: You know, my eye right now is on Kai Roberts and Taylor Yates. I think that those two are just based on those first three games that we've watched so far. The the ones that probably show that uh, Jalen McLaughlin has, has that speed that you mentioned. So he'll be interesting to see. There's nobody that's jumping off the page quite yet. The way that, you know, the the last one that I I remember being able to see as a, a for sure lock uh, was, Um, Deshaun Kiersey Jr. Who as a true freshman worked his way into the lineup and watching him within a couple games it was very apparent that that guy was you know he was going to get drafted. He's still playing in the minors right now working his way up. Um, But you know a lot of these guys will have to see how they develop. Um, There's nobody that for sure jumps off the page the way that Deshaun Kiersey did uh, as a freshman. But I think that there's potential That as this season plays out, we could see some guys start showcasing at that level. Yeah, and Kiersey
1: currently playing for Fort Myers as part of the Minnesota Twins farm league. Uh, You know, a San Diego kid. I think that's the interesting, another interesting factor to this roster. You're seeing a lot more local players on it when it used to be populated by mostly Southern California kids. Now that's not to say that they completely abandoned going down to California, but I think this is, for lack of a better term, this is the way for Utah baseball going forward, you're going to have to get some of these good in-state prospects to come up and anchor the program for you so that you can kind of lure some of those more talented Cali kids in.
0: Yeah. I think that that really pivoted, you know, the the change there came with the uh, Carroll brothers, Dallas and Dalton. Uh, Those two were instrumental in that PAC 12 championship run. They came to Utah, they played their whole careers here. And it was that season that they, they were the ones that, kind of spearheaded that that player meeting mid-season right before they really got into the meat of the Pac-12 schedule and said, look, let's just do this. Because, I mean, if you look at the first half of that season, you know, the, the non-conference part of that season, Utah was not great. They, I believe they started 1-11.
1: They were bad. And then
0: they turned around, and they lost only one Pac-12 series. They, you know, they, they swept Arizona that year. And everybody else, they took – two out of three um, with, with the exception of one series. And so, you know, I think that that was a signal to the coaching staff that if we can get local prospects that are passionate about this program and invested in this program, they can lift the rest of this program. Uh, the out of state guys can start playing at that higher level, but I think that they're looking towards the, the, the local products for leadership because of what they saw from the Carroll brothers.
1: Agree. Agree entirely. And I think it's a good pivot for Bill Kinneberg, who has been there for 18 years, but at the same time, he's now set the standard for this program that it can compete in the PAC 12. So I think there will be some expectations of results in terms of that. Anything else that you want to add about this program that you've seen? I mean, you've been covering it. I know that you've done announcing game day announcing for them as well. This
0: has been kind of your baby for a while now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a fun product. I mean, you know, really, I, I kind of fell in love with it um, during that, that just miracle season where they won the PAC 12 championship. I, you know, had started out, I was a marketing intern at the time and had worked most of the games. And then all of a sudden they started winning some and it was like, "Well, well, we'll just see how long this lasts. And towards the end of that season, I was fully on board, you know, the games that I wasn't working, I was there as a fan watching and just, I mean, watching what that team did and then going to, you know, the, the tournament and beating Ole Miss, who is a, 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 a big time player on the national scene. Yeah. Number one in um, the country right now. Yeah. Th- that was, that was no small feat. And I think that Utah since then has been able to kind of, you know, show, okay, we, we, we can do this. We have that belief. We have that skill. We've got all the pieces that we need to at least be middle of the pack and maybe occasionally push towards the top. I know that, you know, usually before that, they'd been at the, I mean, that was the first season that they hadn't finished last place uh, 11th in the pac 12, because Colorado doesn't feel the team, but I mean, they, they put a fun product on the field. It's not always a winning product, but it's a fun product pretty consistently. Um, You know, I'm hoping here that in the near future, that they, they open it up, allow some fans back into the, into the ballpark. They play, down at Smith's Ballpark, which, you know, home of the Bees, probably the best view in all of baseball right there. Just a beautiful venue. So I'm hoping that we can get that opened up so, you know, it's easier to catch some games.
1: And the the good part about that, too, is their schedule. They really won't have a home stretch for a while. They play BYU, I think, next month for two games there and then one down at uh, BYU's home field. And then after that, I don't think they're back for – I want to say until April,
0: but maybe this is where,
1: you know, podcast
0: end I'm of going. March. Yeah. That's right. It's, yeah. So yeah, they have back-to-back home games, March 11th and 12th against BYU in Salt Lake city. And then at BYU, and then it's back on the road until March 23rd when they play Dixie state mm-hmm. and then have a home series against Cal. But yeah, it, it always every year starts with a very front heavy road schedule. And then towards the end of the year, they get a little bit more to balance it out. You know, they start playing at home more often
1: for sure and and mostly that's weather related and mm-hmm. you know I, it's worth noting that colorado doesn't even feel the team because i think both cost and the fact that they could never really practice
0: right so, yeah i mean th- they would find the same disadvantages as utah where there's 10 other teams that have baseball weather 12 months of the year yeah and then it's so much easier for a guy to go out and get a
1: bullpen session in you know with his catcher when it's 75 degrees and sunny than it is when it's 25 and you got to go and Utah doesn't even really have a facility for any of that right now either. So yeah, maybe they can borrow the
0: golf teams. I don't know. I know that there have been plans to build a a stadium on campus, but uh, you know, that's kind of been paused and we'll, we'll see if, if and when that ever comes back into the, into the picture.
1: Yeah. You have to imagine that with all the uh, the budget, cuts the budget fallout from uh the pandemic that maybe that one will get pushed back a little bit but it wasn't just finances i think with that one there was also some issues with the neighborhood and where they wanted to put that one in um anyways that'll be a discussion that we'll have down the road alex lundy thank you so much for joining me today here on the locked on youths podcast uh this is i'm glad we were finally able to do this uh we will definitely plan on doing it more often. And then I'm going to let you go because you have even more duties to do tonight. You've got to produce a, <laughs> a somewhat important game for some basketball team. I don't even know.
0: Yeah, the Utah Yaz, yes, I think. Yes. Something like that. Yes, music. Not, I'm not fully convinced that it's not a soft J. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Playing some LeBron guy. Who knows who he is? but
0: I don't know. Some nobody probably won't do anything special. Sure.
1: <laughs> hey, thanks again for joining me, man, and and we'll be sure to make sure to have you back on soon. As the, uh, are we calling them the swinging utes or the pingin utes?
0: Uh, I've typically called them the pingin utes, but the swinging utes works as well as right. you know.
1: I think between you and Steve Bartle, we'll stick with pingin utes. So as the pingin utes uh, work their way through the schedule, we'll keep our fingers crossed that there aren't any more interruptions with COVID and whatnot. So, thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Hey.
0: It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man.
1: That was Alex Lundberg, uh, producer extraordinaire and also baseball contributor for UteZone.com. Hope you enjoyed that. We're going to try and make it a more regular thing and and get more in-depth on a lot of different sports here with a lot of different people who are involved with them as we move forward. Uh, Let us know always what you like, what you don't like. LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. At Locked On Utes on Twitter. You can find me there at Brown Bear SLC. You can also find Jake at Jacob C. Hatch both on Twitter. Also, if you like the podcast, tell your friends about us. Tell your family. Tell any Ute fans you know out there. You can find us by searching Locked On Utes on whatever your favorite search engine is. You can use Alexa whatever your Google device is, Siri, just find Locked On Youth's podcast, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today here on a Thursday edition of the Locked On Youth's podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. This has been the Locked On Youth's podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll see you tomorrow.